This recording is from the Department of Education and Outdoor Learning at the Royal Geographical Society with IBG. I'm Laura and in each podcast I'll be meeting a geographical expert to discuss their research and where geography has taken them. The world of volcanoes has fascinated geographers for centuries. The dramatic and hazardous landscapes are both captivating and dangerous. Which is how do geographers study them? I'm Laura, and in this podcast, I'm talking to Dr. Tom Peering, a volcanologist in the Department of Geography at the University of Sheffield. We discuss his research into the monitoring of volcanic gas emissions and how new smartphone technology is providing affordable and exciting new data. So Tom, can you tell me when and how did you develop an interest in hazards and more particularly volcanoes? Well, I've always had an interest in the natural environment, but I I developed my interest in volcanoes during my undergraduate degree at the University of Reading. And it was the modules I took there on those subjects which interested me the most. Um, And I didn't really have an idea about what I wanted to do for a career at that stage. So I decided to continue on and, and do a master's studying the subject. And I ended up doing a PhD, which is great. I continue to study that now. So what was your PhD on? My PhD was on the gas emissions from Stromboli and Mount Etna. So they're both volcanoes uh, in, on the, sort of the Italian landscapes. One's an island and, and one's on Sicily. What is it particularly um, our geographers interested in volcanic gas and emissions and, and how have they monitored them? The particular interest in volcanic gas emissions is that they really are the driver of the vast majority of volcanic activities. Um, so to understand what a particular volcano may be doing um, at a particular time, we need long-term data sets um, to understand what the baseline level of gas emission is, uh, what types of gases come out, and during eruptive periods, how that may differ. So is there a change in the behaviour of how volcanic gas is emitted? Is there a change in the type of gas which is emitted from the volcano? Um, and There are various ways that we try and measure these volcanic gases and that's changed very broadly over the past few decades. So um, prior to the 1970s everything was done very manually. So scientists would go up to the side of a volcano and they'd stick in their sort of tubes of of plastic tubes and they'll collect gases in in little bottles Um, and they'd take them back to the lab to analyse later on to see what kind of gases were coming out. Later on, it's kind of developed on, into the more remote sensing side. So post-1970s, uh, it was satellite-driven, um, but satellite-driven measurements can only get you so far because of the, the coarse resolution the satellites pr- produce. So that means essentially the, the size of each pixel is very large, so you can't get the resolution needed for volcanoes. So scientists began to develop techniques um, to measure gases from the ground. So this included, uh, the first instrument was called the correlation spectrometer. So essentially what this does is it measures the UV light coming uh, through the atmosphere and it takes advantage of one of the particular um, features of one of the volcanic gases which is released, which is sulphur dioxide. And what sulphur dioxide does is it it absorbs certain wavelengths of ultraviolet light. So this is the light which we can't see with our eyes. Um, and by comparing um, the light on a detector um, at wavelengths where 
um, the light is absorbed and where the light isn't absorbed, we can tell how much gas is within what we call our path length, so between our camera sensor or our, our spectrometer and, uh, and the sky. Uh, and then we can build up a profile of how much gas is coming out of a volcano by essentially just walking or, or driving or flying underneath a volcanic gas plume. So that's how it was started. And then in sort of the year 2000s, we miniaturised the, the equipment. So we, we moved on to something called um, DOAS, um, which stands for Differential Optical Absorption Spectroscopy. Um, we don't need to know the exact details of how that works, but essentially it miniaturised everything. The previous techniques were very large. So now what I do is we use um, what we call ultraviolet cameras. So they're much like everyday cameras or you know your large um, digital cameras, um, but essentially they measure ultraviolet light. So they do exactly the same things as those earlier instruments, um, but we take images instead of moving up beneath a plume or, or flying beneath a plume. So what you've described there is kind of a clearly hazardous environment for research. But I'm wondering, what are the challenges of data collection in volcanic settings um, that are kind of social or economic in nature? They certainly span both of those. I mean, you touched on the environmental. That was part of the reason why we moved away from the direct sampling. And there was one particular volcano, volcano and volcanic activity at, uh, I believe it was Galeris, where a number of scientists were killed because they were up at the summit um, collecting gases. So that's why we moved away from that, from an environmental pers pers perspective. Um, but one of the major um, economic um, problems we have is that this stuff is expensive. Um, so to measure a volcano consistently um, throughout the year requires a lot of uh, upkeep of the equipment, requires manpower, um, and it also requires built and buying the equipment in the first place, which can be very, very expensive. Uh, the other thing is that the social willing to be able to uh, to want to monitor those volcanoes, quite often communities say, um, well, we, we don't need to monitor this volcano, it's never done anything for us, or done anything to us, so they try and, so they're not interested, essentially. As part of your recent research, you've begun to develop low-cost smartphone technology as a tool to measure these emissions. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? This is with a group of colleagues at Sheffield, and essentially, I was mentioning earlier the the ultraviolet camera technology that we use. And this technology is fantastic. Um, it's state-of-the-art, but the one big problem is that it's very, very expensive. So to buy a, a complete camera setup, a complete camera system, would cost anywhere between twelve and £20,000, which clearly for developing countries is, is not achievable. So um, I had this idea, um, must have been over two years ago now, that we could actually do the same thing but with essentially smartphone sensors. So what we do is um, we take these sensors and we remove one of the special layers which is on, on top of these sensors which essentially um, prevents the um, ultraviolet light from, from hitting the sensor. And once we remove that layer we get enough ultraviolet light hitting the camera sensor which then opens up these, these smartphone sensors which are very very cheap um, to the remote sensing of sulfur dioxide emitted by volcanoes. And the other piece of equipment that we've made use of is the Raspberry Pi microcomputer. So these are very small computers, about credit card sized, and when we attach, they have a periphery to them, when we attach this, it then becomes a standalone system which we can put together for somewhere between uh, approximately £500 at the moment we think we can do it. Um, so we've reduced the cost significantly with that and 
essentially this has enabled us to produce these cameras at very low cost and we're hoping that um, we can begin deploying those at, at volcanoes. So have you trialled this technology and where have you trialled it? We've trialled it a few places so with all um, trials of new technology it's important to compare it to uh, the existing technologies, what we call the commercial UV cameras. Um, so we did this at Mount Etna and we've done this at a local power station, uh, Drax, which emits sulphur dioxide um, when it's generating. And um, so we did our trial and error stages going back and forth from Drax, just getting the software ready and making sure all the, all the parts were, were together. Uh, and then we head out to Etna and we tested it alongside the commercial camera systems. We, we used both at the same time. And essentially we measure the gases coming out and we compare the measurements from the commercial system and we compare the measurements from um, our system and we, we look at are they similar, to what degree are they similar, are we getting the same results. And luckily we got very similar results which means that we can believe that our system is doing a good job, uh, as good a job as the commercial system. So you mentioned earlier how this technology might help um, developing countries. Why is that? Is it kind of an economic thing? So it's kind of more low cost? Yeah, that's, you essentially hit the nail on the head there. It's all about the low cost nature. Um, UV cameras are one of the most state-of-the-art um, pieces of equipment to monitor gas emissions, particularly for volcanoes where, which persistently the gas. So this is, these are volcanoes which release gas constantly um, and which need monitoring constantly as, as a result. So we, by reducing the cost of essentially monitoring these gas emissions, we open up this, the, you know, the state-of-the-art technologies to developing countries which couldn't afford £12,000 for a camera system. And it also means you can locate more than one camera system at a volcano. It means they're very easy to upkeep and it means they're very easy to replace if they do go wrong or they do get destroyed. So they've become very um, good target instruments for, for developing countries. And so where will your research take you next? My research has already taken me to, to some interesting places. So I was in Nicaragua over June. Um, and Nicaragua, uh, there's a volcano called Messiah, which has a fantastically active lava lake. Um, so we took uh, an upgraded version of this system there. And we've got all sorts of wireless connectivity to laptops to this system now. And it's, uh, we're trying to get automated processing working as well. Um, so that's, that's where I was um, recently. And I love to go and visit um, new volcanoes which exhibit all sorts of fantastic um, and new styles of volcanic activity because I'm interested in um, how volcanoes transition between quiescent, so quiet periods of activity to, to the more explosive periods of activity and what may maintain those. And to do that we need to look at the gas emissions over time. So I'm hoping that research in the future will take me to, to more permanent installations at, um, at Volcano to look at those more, more long-term trends. For more information on resources and CPD events to support geographical learning, visit www.rgs.org forward slash schools or follow us on Twitter at rgs underscore IBG schools for the latest updates. This recording was supported by the Global Learning Programme. For more resources to encourage pupils' understanding of global issues and development, visit www.glp.globaldimension.org.uk. Thanks for listening.